This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. Risked everything for liberty. And they thought so we would be America, land of the talking a lot about the American colonists who wanted to make America its own free country, away from Britain. But what about the American colonists who wanted to stay part of Britain? Well, they are called loyalists, and today we're going to learn all about them. I'm Amelia Hamilton, and this is the Growing Patriot Podcast. Let's meet an expert who knows all about loyalists, and one loyalist in particular, Thomas Hutchinson, the governor of Massachusetts. Hello, my name is John Tyler. Um, I am a historian of uh, Boston at the time of the American Revolution, and my particular project at the moment is working editing the letters of Thomas Hutchinson, who was um, the royal governor of Massachusetts uh, during uh, many of the key events leading leading up to the revolution, uh, especially the um, Boston Massacre and the Boston Tea Party are both uh, among the well best-known incidents of his uh, time in office. Um, yeah, I, we've, definitely, we've definitely heard about him before. And he was um, regarded at the time of um, <clears throat> the American uh, when he left the colonies in 1774 as perhaps the most hated man in America. Um, but uh, a decade earlier, he had been one of the most respected people in uh, his colony of Massachusetts, and people um, often looked to him for uh, 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 for advice and guidance in their uh, in their political affairs. Yeah. Uh, so well, that was quite that was quite a decade between those things. A lot a lot happened. A, quite a fall from, in popularity from uh, 1760 yeah. to 1775. Uh, um, well, what, what does it mean when you say you edit his letters? Well, um, the letters that he wrote to England um, were part of his job. And he in it, he was to describe um, political conditions in Boston and uh, for his um, superiors in in England. Uh, these letters give us one of the uh, fullest accounts of what was happening in Boston um, during that during that time, and uh, they probably would have been published and made generally available if Hutchinson had taken the other side in the revolution. But uh, unlike the letters of George Washington or uh, Samuel Adams. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, all, all of those have been published in uh, uh, long, uh, elaborate sets of volumes. But uh, Hutchinson's uh, letters had never been touched, uh, largely because he uh, picked the losing side. So when I say we're editing his letters, the first step is to collect as many of the surviving letters as possible, and then uh, they, of course, are all written in 18th century handwriting. Um, mm -hmm. So 
I then have to transcribe or uh, produce a, uh, a text on the word processor of uh, what those letters actually say. Um, then the next step is to uh, annotate them to explain any odd words or uh, unusual events that uh, occur in the, in the letters. And then uh, finally, we, uh, we publish them. There, we were able to find about 3,000 letters written by wow. Hutchinson, uh, and we will publish eventually uh, 1,200 in uh, five volumes that will probably be around 2,000 pages altogether. So, goodness, a lot that's a of big writing. Job. It sounds it sounds so interesting though to to have that history right there, and you know probably well, no one's looked at some of those in hundreds of years. I compare it to um, working on a crossword puzzle. Oftentimes, there are things mentioned in the letters that. Uh, one doesn't understand right away and only uh, later becomes clear or uh, sometimes there's an unusual word or event and you have to figure out uh, uh, what that was and it often takes uh, quite a while but things eventually uh, fall into place but it's it's fun it's like uh, reading other people's mail sure sure wow so you know you talked about how some, you know, some of the the people we consider patriots, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. We've looked, we've looked at their letters, and we're we're so familiar with some of the things they had to say, but we don't always think about the fact that there were a lot of people in the American colonies who didn't feel that way. They wanted to stay connected to Britain, um, and so they wanted to be loyal. And they're so now we call them mostly we call them loyalists. So why why did they want to stay part of Britain? Were were they not mad about taxation without representation or or any of those things? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say that probably uh, when the Declaration was first read in in 1776, that only a minority of the people um, supported the uh, the document, mm -hmm. perhaps as few as 40 percent. Um, then perhaps another 20% um, thought in independence was a bad idea. But then there's also another 40% who just thought this was a very dangerous situation and it was best to keep quiet and stay out of it. And um, they continued to take that position uh, throughout the war, just trying to keep their heads down and stay out of, out of trouble. So. Uh, the movement for independence was a, uh, a minority movement. Um, people who opposed the movement for independence generally thought that uh, they had a very good situation uh, as part of the British Empire. Uh, it was for the people of the time, they were among the freest uh, people in the world. They had the most uh, the most liberties, the most ability to participate in their government. Uh, they did have a king, but um, the powers of the king were very limited by um, representatives that they elected in, in parliament. So um, they were uh, the freest people in the world, uh, especially the colonists who were 3,000 miles away from uh, the seat of the British government and operated um, fairly much on their own, governed by their own uh, assemblies or representative bodies. Um, they were uh, among the greatest benefits of empire were protection. Uh, the 
colonies, um, as uh, uh, many of the listeners may know, had fought a series of wars with the French for uh, almost 100 years prior to the American Revolution. And um, the French and their Native American allies at times had uh, caused great devastation. the French appeared to be finally defeated in 1763 at the end of what we call the French and Indian War. Um, but that didn't mean that uh, the colonies still didn't still needed protection from uh, Native Americans who were uh, hostile to um, the colonists because the colonists were always interested in expanding westward and taking. Uh, land that uh, was occupied by the Native Americans. And so um, there was always the problem of violence on the frontier. And uh, the British government uh, had elected to uh, keep troops on the frontier um, for the protection of the colonies uh, after the end of the French and Indian War. And uh, it's sometimes said that um, the t- new taxes were a request of the British government to uh, pay for the expenses of the French American Indian War. That's not exactly true. It was um, a request that the colonies pay for the troops that were stationed in America uh, for their own protection. Um, so uh, now, during the uh, French and Indian War, the colonies had been asked to. Uh, contribute to the expenses of the war, um, both in um, soldiers and in money, um, because the colonies were um, governed each by its own assembly. Uh, it was up to uh, the government, um, the assembly of each colony, to decide whether or not they wanted to uh, contribute. Uh, they, you can imagine that the system. Uh, didn't work very well. Those uh, colonies that were far away from the fighting didn't want to contribute anything. Um, Some um, contributed less than their fair share. Uh, And so the British, uh, at the end of the French and Indian War, once peace had been restored, decided that it was time to uh, work out a better system. And uh, they gave the colonies the option of um, coming up with a way of uh, contributing money, um, but the colonies uh, didn't uh, fail to come up with any proposal of their own. And so the British uh, passed what was called the Stamp Act, a new kind of tax yep. um, for the American colonies. Yeah, we've heard all about that. <laughs> now, um, the Thomas Hutchinson, um, who I should have said at the outset, he was born in Massachusetts and uh, uh, he loved uh, his home colony uh, dearly. Um, he could see that the Stamp Act was going to be a bad idea and he opposed it, but uh, he opposed it in a moderate way. Um, he wanted to uh, ask Parliament to uh, reconsider rather than to um, try and block the enforcement of the act, which many of the uh, uh, more radical uh, colonists wanted, wanted to do. Um, the rumor got around that Hutchinson was a, a secret favor of um, the Stamp Act, 
And so on the night of August 26, 1765, a mob in Boston uh, attacked his house. Um, he and his family had to uh, flee out the back door and down the back alleys. And his house, the interior of the house was more or less torn apart and destroyed. All the furniture thrown into the street uh, and uh, uh, even the uh, paneling on the walls um, uh, was uh, taken off and thrown out um, the window. Um, by the time of the morning they were working on pulling the roof apart and, uh, and so he paid a high penalty for being, uh, being a moderate. Mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, uh, he continued on as Lieutenant Governor of Massachusetts. And then uh, when the, his predecessor, Francis Bernard left, uh, he was the acting governor and um, had the full responsibility uh, of the government. Um, students may have heard of another piece of legislation called the Townshend Acts, which were an effort of uh, the parliament to um, Parliament um, repealed the Stamp Act as a favor to the colonies and said, well, um, we didn't like that kind of tax on uh, documents that would, and a tax that would be raised within the colonies themselves. Uh, we will issue new taxes on things that you import. These are um, tariffs or customs duties, um, which uh, many countries, including the United States, um, still uh, still have at the moment. Um, the colonists decided that they didn't like this form of tax either, and they responded with um, something called the Non-Importation Agreements, an agreement not to uh, import goods from England uh, as a way of forcing merchants in England to put pressure on Parliament to repeal the Townsend Acts just as they had the Stamp Act. Uh, the uh, controversy over the Townsend Acts was much uh, more bitter than um, the Stamp Act and uh, many American merchants didn't want to uh, comply with the non-importation agreements and wanted to continue to import goods from England. Um, this led to um, uh, pressure by um, the Patriots to get those merchants to, to stop. Um, they did uh, many, uh, many things, including uh, uh, publishing notices for boycotts, having uh, crowds um, stand outside the uh, houses of merchants who were selling goods, uh, threatening their families, breaking their windows, uh, and even in some instances, um, tarring and feathering um, people who continued to import. Um, the resistance to the Townsend Act, in my mind, was a real um, turning point. It seemed to um, those people who were, um, um, who eventually became, well, I, I started to use the word loyalist, but to those people who were not sympathetic with uh, what the Patriots were doing, it seemed as if the Patriots had taken the government into their own hands and were operating without any legal authority to keep people from, say, selling their goods. They had no, uh, it was not the government that had passed laws to do this. It was just a few people who didn't like the idea of some people importing. And so they 
took it upon themselves to uh, uh, to force people to to comply. Um, we can imagine how people would respond today if you told a businessman that they couldn't sell a particular kind of, uh, of product. Uh, and so, uh, so I think for many people, uh, the Patriots appear to have gone a little too far in the uh, in in the non-importation agreements um, to. Uh, to promote greater order in the colonies, um, the British government decided they would send um, regular British troops um, to Boston to try and maintain order. Um, once again, Thomas Hutchinson um, told his superiors that was a bad idea um, because the rules of the time were that uh, troops couldn't be used, uh, troops couldn't fire upon the people unless uh, a magistrate, a, uh, a judge, um, told them that uh, they were uh, a riotous assembly and that they had to disperse, then only could force be used. And uh, Hutchinson realized that uh, none of the uh, local uh, justices of the peace would ever uh, invoke this law. And so the troops would just be an irritant, um, which, which they were. Um, the Patriots wanted them removed. Um, uh, you probably um, all know the story of the uh, of the Boston massacre. Um, yeah. Some fighting broke out on the night of uh, March fifth. It was a snowy night. Um, supposedly, some boys began throwing snow, ice, rocks at the sentry outside the customs house. Uh, he called on more support. Um, the soldiers, uh, as the soldiers arrived, a greater, uh, a greater crowd uh, gathered, and um, in the confusion, um, someone uh, yelled "fire," and the troops began to fire, and five, five people died. Yeah. Um, the this incident um, gave the Patriots just what they wanted, which right. was uh, a reason to demand that the troops be um, removed from the city and sent out to uh, Castle Island, an island in the uh, middle of Boston Harbor, uh, where they wouldn't do any good for, <laughs> right. for anyone. Right. And, um, but nevertheless, uh, emotions were so high at the time, Hutchinson felt um, compelled to do this. And uh, in some ways he felt um, outmaneuvered by Samuel Adams and the Patriots. Uh, yeah. He felt that they had, um, found the perfect uh, excuse to force the hand of the British government. And it was determined that that wouldn't happen again. So a couple years later, uh, at the time of the Boston Tea Party, um, the British were, this was not so much, the uh, Tea Act was not so much an effort uh, to raise money as it was to uh, help the um, British East India Company, which was in financial trouble, uh, at the time, and uh, many important people uh, owned uh, stock in the East India Company. We would describe it today as too big to fail, and so right. the government had to step right. in to uh, to help out. And what they did was to allow uh, the East India Company to sell its tea directly in America. Um, 
without paying uh, the usual duties. And this would bring the price of, of legally imported tea in the colonies uh, lower than tea that was being smuggled in from Holland. And uh, the Patriots once again managed to stir fears that uh, if the British East India Company was allowed to establish a monopoly on tea, then um, who was to say what other um, goods were uh, might be monopolized by a British company as well, and American merchants would uh, lose uh, all their uh, profits. And so. Uh, the Patriots decided to resist the landing of the tea um, because of a, a legal technicality. Once the tea had, been arri had arrived in the harbor, it only had 20 days um, before it uh, would be confiscated by the customs agents. Uh, and uh, so the clock was ticking. Um, Many people wanted Hutchinson as governor to allow the ships to uh, uh, circumvent the law and just simply return to England with the tea on board. Uh, Hutchinson uh, didn't feel that he could um, justifiably do that. It wasn't his job as governor to uh, waive laws that he thought would be unpleasant to enforce. And so he refused to give the permission and uh, the tea ended up dumped in the harbor. Uh, and uh, after the Boston Tea Party, um, Hutchinson, Boston can, seemed more and more ungovernable. Hutchinson was uh, exhausted by quarreling with the Patriots uh, all the time. Uh, he seized the opportunity when he was asked to go to England to uh, report in person on the situation uh, to do that. And so he left for uh, England in June uh, 1774. He was never able to return. Um, he uh, spent the rest of his uh, life in in England, um, he um, died in exile. He, um, one of his greatest regrets is that he knew that he would never be able to be um, buried uh, next to his wife in um, their plot in Milton, Massachusetts, uh, because he knew that um, the uh, Americans now would never allow his um, body to be uh, returned. But did a lot of loyalists return to England or did some maybe have a change of heart as the revolution went on? Just sort of with Thomas Hutchinson, you know, he he represented the crown. He was in a very different position. And even to some extent, the merchants that you talked about, um, you know, if they chose not to uh, boycott certain products just for everyday, you know, American colonists who felt that we should stay with Britain again, and I know this wasn't one one particular group, it was just a lot of individual people with individual thoughts and feelings, but did a lot of people return to England or, or what did they do? Well, um, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, uh, one of the things to say about loyalists, uh, I think it's important to say that they came from all branches of the social spectrum. They weren't necessarily uh, all rich, they weren't necessarily all government employees or or merchants that you could find um, loyalists in almost any colony and in uh, almost any walk, walk of life. 
Um, some, I don't think they necessarily became um, reconciled to what happened, but uh, they didn't want to spend the rest of their lives in, uh, in exile. Um, uh, we might have said earlier when we were talking about it, well, we didn't talk about the prosecution of the war itself, but um, during the war, um, the estates of absentees, people who had left the colonies, were confiscated uh, as a way of financing the war effort. So many loyalists, uh, unless they were able to somehow transfer property to relatives who were uh, patriots or neutral, um, they uh, lost all their property uh, in America and uh, had to apply to for some sort of compensation um, for from the British government. Um, thus, those who were in England uh, weren't <laughs> weren't always uh, so welcome. They were uh, they had to be uh, they were looked upon as a as a burden uh, as people who had to be uh, paid for out of the taxes of. Uh, people living in, in England. Um, so um, certainly some um, were able to live off of uh, money that they had taken with them or money that uh, came from uh, investments elsewhere. Uh, and they stayed in London. Um, some moved to the countryside because London was a very expensive um, place to live. Um, <laughs> Uh, others moved um, to places much closer. Um, many loyalists went to Nova Scotia and New Brunswick in Canada, and uh, much of the uh, English-speaking population of um, what, what is now Quebec and uh, those maritime provinces are descended from uh, American loyalists. Um, it is um, some uh, loyalists went to the Bahamas and um, to the West Indies. Uh, some of them had uh, estates, uh, sugar plantations in the West Indies, and uh, and they went went there. Um, we should also say, I think, that um, many African Americans who had been enslaved. Um, uh, thought that they were uh, much better off under the crown. And indeed, during the war, the British had offered uh, freedom to uh, African-Americans who would uh, join, the, join the British army. And so uh, all of those uh, African-Americans had to uh, struggle uh, to get aboard ships that were uh, leaving together with the British army because they knew that they were likely to be re-enslaved um, if they stayed in America. So again, uh, large numbers of African-Americans went not to um, the not south, to the Bahamas or the West Indies, where they knew they would be re-enslaved, but uh, to Canada, and some of them eventually to Sierra Leone on the coast of, uh, coast of Africa. Um, and so, um, uh, so there are lots of different stories for those who uh, remained loyal to the crown. Absolutely. I think sometimes when we think about loyalists, we get sort of an idea in our head from, from movies or things that we've seen where it was sort of one group of bad guys. Um, 
but it, it really isn't necessarily that way. You know, they, like you said, they, they probably saw that there were some problems with the way the colonies were being governed, but they thought that overall they had the protection of Britain and there were things that, you know, things that were okay about being a British colony and, and they didn't really want to go to war over the things that they saw, saw being wrong. You know, these were, you know, like, like our neighbors today. They're just, just people who maybe felt a little bit differently. Um, so, so before we say goodbye, what do you think is the most important thing for us to remember about loyalists during the revolution? Well, I think, uh, I think it's important to say that um, they were people who um, were alarmed by the fact that the patriots seemed to have taken the government into their own hands. Uh, without any legal or constitutional authority for uh, what they were doing. Uh, we can imagine how we would respond um, today to people who uh, just tried to force their own views on other people uh, without, uh, uh, without doing it in a, in a, democratic, uh, in a democratic way. Uh, nothing the Patriots had done uh, was in any way democratic. They didn't have the endorsement of the majority of the people for uh, what they were doing. Uh, and so, um, so loyalists were simply um, people who wanted to see um, things happen or evolve in a, a legal and constitutional, uh, constitutional way. Um, so I think, um, it's important to remember that uh, movies and TV um, have to simplify the story. And uh, so they need to choose bad guys. And so if, when you watch a movie, oftentimes British soldiers or, or, the, um, uh, or loyalists are portrayed as um, uh, arrogant and, uh, and brutal. And, I don't think it's necessary to assume that they would have been any more so than their um, than their patriot uh, uh, contemporaries. That um, yeah. they are um, people who um, deserve our uh, effort to try and understand their position uh, as well. I just think this um, actual history is much more interesting than and, and complicated than what we see on movies yeah. and TV. Yep, always. And, uh, therefore, that's what makes history so much fun. Absolutely. And that's why we love what we call primary sources, which are things like Hutchinson's letters, so we can learn right from the people who are there rather than, you know, somebody else's opinion on on someone who was there. It's always it's always great to get those primary sources. They are the best source. Yeah. So thank you for working on those. That sounds interesting when those are when those are published. I'll have to have a read. My pleasure. It's always so interesting to me to get a little recap of everything we've learned, but from the other point of view. Instead of the Patriots this week, we were talking about what the British Loyalists were doing. So what did we learn? 
Well, I think it's really important to remember that even by the time the Declaration of Independence came out in 1776, not everyone in the American colonies supported independence. A lot of people thought it was better and safer to stay with Britain, and some people didn't want to share their opinion at all. As for the Loyalists, they had some pretty okay reasons for wanting to stay a British colony. American colonists were still more free than a whole lot of people in the world, and they thought that that might just be as good as it gets. They were also being protected by the British military, which was the best military in the world. It's also important to remember that Loyalists weren't bad guys. There were people from every colony, every walk of life. There were merchants who wanted to be able to sell whatever they could. There were enslaved people who had the promise of freedom if they would fight for the British cause. There were a lot of reasons to fight to stay with Britain. But, as you know, the Patriots would win in the end. That's all for today. Thank you so much, and I can't wait to talk to you next time. They freed us all from tyranny, risked everything for liberty, and they thought so we would be America. Distributed by FCB Radio Network.